Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Wow. Welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast. Probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top in Japan enthusiast. I nearly bungled my lines there, but I didn't. Top of Pete, Japan. how are you doing? Top of Japan. I made it through the intro. I could do Topo it. Japano. Oh, Chris, we're <laughs> recording this on a Friday, I don't mind admitting, and I do feel incredibly jealous of the possibility of you sat there in your studio in Tokyo... You could go out at any moment today, like right now, and you could just roll into the Love Hotel district of uh, of Shibuya <laughs> and just get Why absolutely that? blasted drunk and have a right old bloody good evening. I'm so jealous of you right now because here I live in deepest, darkest Essex, and admittedly I am going into London tonight for a, for a booze up, but it won't uh. be as good as your booze up that you could have in, in, in that there Shibuya. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, actually, yeah, you're right. Japan <laughs> is better for that. I, I do enjoy a night out in Japan a lot more than the UK. I love mm. pubs, right? I fucking miss pubs so mm. much. But just the, the, the bar culture, the nightlife culture here, you know, yeah. have to go to like two or three bars, go to karaoke, get izakaya, go to late night ramen. There's like a procedure for a good night out in Japan, whereas in the UK, you've got to wing it. And you usually end up in some sort of shite nightclub playing dubstep music <laughs> or some crap. Um, yeah, I don't miss that. Don't miss that at all. Do you know what I really want? I really want a bloody um, a zigger, zigger. Uh, martini. I want a martini, a martini with an olive in it. And I want a, a quiet, nice, quiet sort of cocktail bar in Shibuya. And I want to sit down and I want to smell the smoke. I want to smell the little sort of snacks that you get, edamame beans and stuff. And I want to have a lovely, um, well-made martini with a bloody <laughs> olive in it. A big, juicy olive. <laughs> That's what I want, John. That's what I want, Shaken, not stirred. Exactly. James Bond himself, shaken, not stirred, with his vodka martini <laughs> and his olives. I want some olives. I've got an unhealthy olive addiction recently. If you get some right. good olives, Italian olives, amazing. Uh, we've got a story here from Justin. I'm very hungry as well. All I've had today <laughs> is I, I'm, I ordered some chicken and broccoli. It's my new health regime. What? Health Ugh. regimen. Health regime. <laughs> gross. That sounds like dictators. I had... Dictator I had... I've got some ostrich in the fridge. I had a bit yesterday. What it's quite. Um, you can cook like ostrich meat. Quite. Um, uh, you don't have to. Uh, you, you can do it quite pink, which is obvi- for obvious reasons. But it, it surprised me still. It still feels <laughs> wrong cooking a bird. Not not all that well. 
<laughs> a mega bird. A big bird. Bloody mega hell. Bird. What does it a taste like? <laughs> what does ostrich like, taste just like? like? It just tastes like... Just like beef. I mean, to be fair, the stuff I had, like, they'd pre-added some sort of garlic uh, to it. So um, just Ooh. mainly test of garlic. But it was a, it was a, not a bad little... From Aldi. Aldi ostrich. <laughs> I'm eating Aldi wow. ostriches, Chris. <laughs> I remember the last bizarre meat I had was with Joey. We were in, like, a bar where you... It was a bar, an airsoft drinking food bar, which are three right. things that probably shouldn't be combined. Uh, so you yeah. get your drink and then you get like an airsoft gun you can shoot at the range mm. and then all the meat was like really obscure kind of meat that should not be edible or should be <laughs> and we ordered the crocodile tongue and it was an atrocity and it was flavoured oh it was so bad it was so bad it's a, what, what a pain them? in the arse to, to, to open up a bloody alligator just to steal his tongue like I mean it's fraught with <laughs> fraught with trouble I'd say it, it, I mean fraught with I will say that I will eat meat wise I remember um when we did the football ramble, we football podcast we do um, available now. Um, we did it for like fifteen years, and about twelve years ago, somebody um, who was a fan of us just sent us a big jiffy bag full of what can only be described as mystery meat. <clears throat> just a bag, Mark Spencer's carrier bag, loose, full of um, brown sort of dried meat. Oh, and I ate every last bit of that. I, who knows what is, in, what is in my constitution? Who knows what it went in my stomach that day? But I just, nom, 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 nom. Mystery meat, thank you very much. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I just, last night I watched the uh, film Society of the Snow about the Uruguayan plane crash where they had to become cannibals to survive in yes, the Andes. Okay. And you saying eating mm. mystery meat is conjuring up some awful visuals of, Bad of what they went through. <laughs> really good, really good. Actually, watch Society of Snow, mm. Society of the Snow. I think it's called. Um, incredible stuff. The fact they survived for like ninety days at four thousand mm. meters in a frozen mountain where it's minus thirty degrees, mind-boggling. Yeah. And then they got ostracized, ostrich, <laughs> ostracized for eating uh, their dead friends. Their, their friends, yeah. And it was, what a it's story! Weird, incredible think, stuff. Yeah. I mean, if, if you sort of turn up in your kind of like you see your neighbour and you sort of go, "What have you been up to?" I ate a man, like. You're going to get ostracised. <laughs> but if everyone knows the story, why you actually ate that man or woman, um, I think that I think that's fair enough, to be honest. It's all about no context. further questions. Yeah, context, exactly. Mm. Absolutely. If you're eating a, if you're eating a handies, not in the Andes, <laughs> bad. If you're eating a handies in the Andes, good. <laughs> oh God. Oh my lord! Anyway, we've got a story here from Justin. He says, "Dear Crackerjack Chris and Pepperjack Pete, I recently travelled Japan for the first time this past October, and had a wonderful first time uh, solo travelling the golden route through Tokyo, Kyoto, and Osaka. Since this was my first trip completely solo, I was understandably pretty nervous and not sure quite what to expect." My first morning in Tokyo, I decided to head over to Asakusa and visit the renowned Sensoji Temple. It was there that I discovered Omikuji, the paper fortunes that I saw tied on various racks around me. After doing the proper rituals to pay my respects to the temple, I was curious to see what fortune that I would get. After all, I was still in my nervous, jet-lagged haze, and perhaps a good fortune can lift my spirits and provide some optimistic insight for my next ten days of travel. What I got was quite the opposite. I opened up the piece of paper to see bad fortune written, followed by a fortune that almost seemed targeted. It said, the seas ahead of you are far too treacherous. Go back home where you came from. What the bloody hell? I tried, I've never read that fortune before. It's very, that's very specific. I tried not to let the piece of paper intimidate me and promptly tied it on one of the racks nearby. Out of spite, 
I ended up having an incredible 10 days in Japan and can't wait to go back. In your experience, do Japanese natives still participate in this tradition of Omikuji or is it something gimmicky just for tourists? Keep up the good work. Justin from America. Now, when I was uh, doing a video just before Journey Across Japan with Natsuki, we were in Kyoto. And we went mm. to the Kiyomizudera Temple and Natsuki bought an Omikuji paper fortune and it was bad luck and he was like, oh, fucking bad fortune shit and he threw it on the floor. <laughs> And then he went and bought a good one, a good fortune. He bought another <laughs> yes, one. Yes, exactly. That's what capitalism's like, oh, all about. I am the master of my own day. destiny. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of made me think. He was like, he was so happy with his good fortune. But I was mm. like, does it cancel each other out that you had a bad yeah. fortune? Yeah, another like, one. Everything's rubbish. And then a good one. Does, Cheers, it, you does it cancel it out? Yeah. Yeah. Weird, isn't it? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like, I do like that you can, I do like that you can get these kind of fortune um, things that do actually say something um, bad. Because a lot, like, whenever you sort of do, like, um, you go to, like, a, 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 a faith-based kind of um, magician <laughs> with a crystal ball, they're always talking about, you know, positive stuff. You know, they're always talking about, you know, you're going to meet a tall, dark, handsome stranger. They never sort of go, mate, you better go down in your cellar and hide because you are in so much trouble. Like, they never say that. <laughs> they never, oh, they get the cards out. You go, actually, um, a big skeleton with blood coming out of its neck. It's it's bloodless, bloodless neck. Um, <laughs> actually means um, a new beginning. They, they never do any of that. Like, they just, what they need to go is, skeleton is bad. Skeletons are spooky, man. You gotta get out of here. <laughs> Get away from me! <laughs> they never do this. I like the I like the bad the bad fortune coming up. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever bought one myself. Um, partly no. because, I, well, mainly because I can't read the damn thing. It's always in complicated mm. Japanese. I suppose you could get right. Google Translate to do it now, but mm. I uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what kind of fortunes you get. I don't think. I don't know. I think Natsuki's one said your business will like go bankrupt or some something like that. Uh, which he didn't like. I mean, the, his he didn't like the sound of <laughs> sweet release for Natsuki <laughs> out there in the countryside. Yeah, with the, the disappearing yeah. population. But uh, he got a good fortune. He was happy. That's all that matters. Mm. It's quite a funny scene. It's in a video called uh, 14 Days in Japan: The Ultimate Travel Itinerary." You could video that. Uh, but what is nice. going on in Japan this week, Mister Dawson? Fill us in on the news. Something to do with romance, I understand. Oh, romance, Chris. We love it. People need it, (laughs) etc. Dating (laughs) can be hard in this day and age with hurdles such as global pandemics, ugliness and sold-out marriage vending machines uh, that we spoke about before. Um, That's why more and more people are turning to the convenience of dating apps to meet others in the hopes of making a romantic connection. But who do you trust do you trust your Tinders? Do you trust your Hinge? Do you trust your Grinder? No, you trust the Tokyo <laughs> Metropolitan Government. That's who you trust. <laughs> They're here to help uh, releasing their own dating app with security that only the world's biggest bureaucracy can provide. Um, the app is aimed at those who are 18 and up, living, working or studying in Tokyo. Uh, it, it's uh, set to utilise AI to, su- to uh, find suitable pairings of users based on their personal info and a questionnaire, much like pretty much every other dating app. Um what is different from like your Tinders of this world, of this world, to this one, is that the government-backed vetting process that comes along with it, which requires users to provide their marital status and income, uh, as well as to take part in an online interview to confirm their identity. So it's just all very secure stuff, Chris. Mm. Sounds a bit all clinical, doesn't it? Se- yeah, it does sound not- a little bit uh, clinical. If you're going to put your heart in the hands of 
um, a, a, a metropolitan <laughs> borough, would you choose Tokyo, or would you choose somewhere somewhere a little bit more romantic, like I don't know, Fukuoka, get somewhere in Kyushu, Fukuoka. I don't Fukuoka. dating websites already kind of do this, like more serious ones, mm. like Plenty of Fish or whatever. Tinder, no, probably not. Mm. But I'm sure there's already dating apps that do this kind of verification. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of mixed on this. I actually think it could be a good idea in some respects. It might make people who are kind of wary of doing this sort of thing a bit more comfortable and secure with doing it. If it's backed and verified and everything by... And people Public know that body. they're not lying about their marital status and stuff like that. Yeah. I imagine there's quite a lot of people on Tinder being absolute wrong-uns. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know someone who started dating a guy and it turned out he was married and whatnot. So it does happen. Um, you mind? This reminded me of the, the sold-out, as you mentioned, the sold-out marriage vending machine, which was a vending machine. I think we reported on it, it must have been like a year ago now. Uh, mm. And it was like a little vending machine in Tokyo in Kamata Station, where there's like a little vending machine out of shop front. And it's got like the first, the top row of uh, drinks are just real normal drinks. And then the second and third row are little cans. And they've got mm. like, uh, I think one row's men, one row's women. And on the little pink cans, it has like who they are, their age, a little uh, bit about them. And then you buy mm. the can and get their details. And uh, it was sold out very thousand fast. Yen. Yeah, a thousand yen. Pretty cool, right? Wild. Absolutely I wild. I would have done that if I was single yeah. for a video as well. <laughs> Could have been quite intriguing. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I don't know. I think clearly the Japanese, uh, clearly the Tokyo Metropolitan Government are a little bit worried about the fact that uh, not enough people are having kids. Marriages, marriage mm. seems to be going down in terms of popularity. And this is a way around it. I would argue maybe helping uh, women get back in the workplace in Japan is, is, is a better idea. I say get back and then everywhere in the no. first place. <laughs> no, <laughs> say the Tokyo Metropolitan District. I'm going to spend all the tax money on setting up an app. <clears throat> I think man, making it so Japanese women can, can don't have to choose between having a career or having mm. children is the key to success there in most respects, but... Yeah, mm. it's cool. Cool. I haven't used a date. I've never used a dating app before, actually. Uh, no. In some respects, I wish I had because it could be a funny story. And everyone I know who's done it always has some incredible stories from it. Um, and I've seldom. I think we've even had a few stories on here where like couples have met on Tinder and whatnot. But like, yeah, the only couples I know have really succeeded using dating apps have used like a a more like official service like. Uh, Plenty of fish. We have to pay a certain fee, and you go into a lot of depth, right? Those are the ones I've seen actually there. go somewhere. So, if yeah, this is the same I think sort of um, thing, I've, I've always work. historically i've uh, I've always um, gone out with people I work with because I like to shit where I eat, baby. <laughs> I like <laughs> to have uncomfortable situations wherever I am at work. <laughs> or maybe I'm the same. You shall as a YouTuber mm. after all. Yeah. But the world of YouTube, there is no workplace. The world <laughs> is my workplace. But mm. yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's a cool idea actually. I think it's a good idea. Do you think it's good, mm. bad? I don't, I, I think um using um tax dollars to set up a, a, a dating app, you do sort of think, is this what that should be for? Could you just fix some of the roads instead? So yeah, it's just a little bit. We don't need it. bridges, <laughs> we don't need roads, we need a dating app. Mm. A dating app for the masses. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. It'll be interesting <laughs> once this gets up and running, uh we'll report uh. back. On how it goes uh, later on in the year. For now, though, we're back to mm. swim, guys. With the stories, comments, and questions in the fax machine. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? I might have a little chat with my mate Chris, or go for a walk with my dog Sammy, or if I was in Japan, I might take a dip in a hot spring, hike up Kamakochi, or attempt to eat the deadliest puffer fish in the world. You know, normal stuff. But it's hard to know what to do with your time and how to spend it wisely. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can prioritise your time and fill it with things you actually enjoy. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. With BetterHelp, they guide you each step of the way to start to spend your time on your own terms. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash japan. Ow. And we're back with a fax machine. What have we got this week for our listeners? Mr. Dawson, fill us in. We got some faxes from Tyler. Tyler from San Diego. Hey, Chris and Pete, love the pod, and I do appreciate the knowledge you've shared on the show that's helped me plan my trip. One thing I love to do when I'm experiencing a new city for the first time is going to an observation deck or taking a helicopter tour. I found it to be a rad way to get the lay of the land uh, and maybe spot something that catches your eye that you must see on your visit. Tokyo has so many renowned observation decks, so I was wondered, uh, wondering basically if you had a favourite. Have you ever done a helicopter tour of the city? Uh, and would that be better than picking a single deck? Is it worth doing one of those in Osaka? Chris, they could go up on that mm. little um, that little kind of uh, that ride on the top of Don Quixote, maybe. <laughs> I think that's shot again. I really wanted to go on that. Back they they, they shot on some weird days, don't they? They sometimes shot on like a Wednesday, weirdly. But uh, it, I, it was moving last time I was there. Uh, maybe that's it then. But I, mm. yeah, I really wanted to go on it. It wasn't operational. It's a funny mm. old thing. Yeah, don't, it's a big mm. Don Quixote store with a Ferris wheel all stuck on the side of it, where you get a great view of right, uh, yeah. the Namba River and whatnot. Um, mm. I actually had a sponsored job a few years ago in Tokyo, and they, the people were like, we think it'd be great if you did a helicopter ride over Tokyo. And I had mixed feelings. I've never been in a helicopter before. I just think they just, they just creep me out a little bit because yeah. I, I just don't... If something goes wrong with it, it's game over. It's not like a plane where you can sort of glide down and then die. You just, it's like, it's, it's a bit creepy. Although I remember having this exact conversation on a podcast a long time ago, and I got a message saying, actually, helicopters are very safe because when something goes wrong and it starts to fall, the rotors magically restart. And nothing I've seen in the history books has indicated that that is the case. But who knows? 
Um, mm. You could get a helicopter ride over Tokyo for like $500 there, I think, which is pretty reasonable for an hour or something. Mm. So you do it, right? You love a helicopter. It's your favorite thing. I'd, right? <laughs> no, frightening. <laughs> frightening things. There's too many crashes. Don't like it. Don't, don't, do not. I'm sure the helicopter fans out there will sort of say there are so many safety mechanisms that allows you to. No. No, not enough. Not enough. <laughs> Sorry. Again, the helicopter can't glide. Well, actually, it can't. If the rotors go quickly and it's sharp. <laughs> I've seen them. And it's not good. It's no, not good. Frightening. Absolutely chilling. I mean, if you want an actual view, and you, you can get in the helicopter or just go up the Tokyo mm. Sky Tree or mm. Shibuya Scramble Tower, which I haven't been up because the queue's always really long, but I'm told it's good. I mm. have no patience for queuing. My favourite observation deck personally is Mori Tower in Roppongi because it's slap bang in the middle of Tokyo you get an incredible 360 view from the roof and it's a helicopter rooftop deck uh, observation mm. points you get a great view uh, that's my vote I am too lazy to queue for Shibuya Scramble although Sharla and all my other friends assure me that is very good so if you're patient go and do it we got one here from Ryan this is Ali, Chris and Pete I've been a huge uh, Japanese pop culture and history fan for decades, and I recently got into building mecha model kits, mainly Gundam. One thing I've realised is Japanese people love their hobbies. Uh, There just seems to be a passion and dedication to hobbies and fandom that you rarely see anywhere else. That's probably how Japan became the geek mecha to people all over the world. But they aren't just dedicated to geek stuff. Japan seems to be the place where there are fanatics about every hobby. My question is, is there something about Japanese society or culture that makes people more dedicated and passionate about their hobbies. Thank you very much. All the best, Ryan. I mean, uh, people in Japan do seem to be very good at like honing in on really... I think most people here want to be professional in one thing uh, in Mm. their career or in their life, in their hobbies, you know, uh, in a way that I don't remember seeing in the UK. You know, people are just happy getting by running a restaurant, whereas, like, you meet a Japanese chef and he wants to be the best at doing a certain thing. Even Natsuki, yeah. right? Yeah. Mr. Punk Rock, I don't play by the rules. He <laughs> studies really fucking hard for his hair salon, for the beauty salon. He goes to Tokyo yeah. like, every month and has special classes to get a certification and also probably to go shopping and get drunk as well. But he takes it really seriously. And, like, everyone I know, every Japanese friend I have, just focuses on one thing and becomes really good at it. Be People don't want to be a uh, master of none. They want to be, uh, sorry, they want to be a master rather than master jack of all one. trades here. <laughs> master of one. Master uh, of one. I'm not sure what that is, uh, What why that is though. Uh, I'm not sure why that is the case, but I think it's cool. I, I like the way people Ooh. get really invested in mastering in uh, thing, their yeah. craft here, you know. Why do you think it is, yeah. Pete? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what culturally uh, means uh, that, that, that they want to be the best that, that, that they can be, uh, but I certainly appreciate the effects. I appreciate every... Um, if you're into, like, craftsmanship um, or crafts, craftswomanship, <laughs> I think you can kind of... Um, I think it, it, there's an argument to sort of say that Japan is the only place to be, that sort of thing. If you're into something, you're really into something, and you've got it. Mm. I really admire that. And you will do you know, when you go when I, I've yeah. done like interviews in restaurants like sushi restaurants and they've got like the chef who's like spends two years learning just how to do some mm. rice. It's like, wow. Mm. <laughs> Is, there must be a point about... after like week number three, he's like, I think I've learned everything. He's like, No. I've done... Two more years <laughs> I've of this. Done this oh, yeah. fucking hell. And then you pop uh, you know. and then you, I I come in and I put the little bit of ginger on top of the sushi gone. <laughs> they ruin it. 
And then you put your chopsticks in, you flip it over, it falls apart in the soy sauce, and it's all fucked anyway. Uh, we've got one here from Anna, who says, Dear Incomparable Chris and Passionate Pete, I've just stayed in a real calm traditional inn with my husband for the first time. It was an incredible experience. The dinner was amazing with eight courses. Jesus, by the sixth course, we were really struggling. The seventh, the seventh course came with a bowl of rice, which finished us off completely. We felt like we might offend the chef, so I ended up pocketing some of the leftovers, like naughty schoolchildren, trying to get away without eating all their dinner. By the end, I had a tissue filled with rice, fish, and mushrooms in my pocket. Ugh, that's mm. not good. Have you had similar experiences with being given such large meals, and is it rude to leave food? Uh, thanks for the videos and podcasts, Anna. I mean, it is quite bad to leave food in Japan. They do take that quite, you know, it's mm. kind of seen like disrespectful. It's, it's kind of like drummed into kids at a young age, don't leave anything behind. Um, mm. but putting putting a load of fish and rice and mushrooms in a tissue probably isn't the answer either. I think you, you could have just asked for a box. I was at a restaurant the other day mm. uh, with a Japanese friend. They couldn't eat like a whole salmon. They had a big salmon <laughs> and uh, they ate half of it and they were like, give me a box and the staff brought one over. So she just said, can I eat this later? And they probably, they put, don't, don't use the tissue. Don't stick your fucking yeah. dinner I mean, in the cleaners. When you're giving them eight, eight, <laughs> um, eight, eight sets of food, it's fair. It's fair that you would have to. Uh, <laughs> I think it's fair that you don't eat them all. But I, I do, think. you know, I sympathise with Anna at the at Ryokans, Like the the uh, kaiseki dinner is endless. You mm. kind of feel like, oh, I'm done mm. now, and there's another forty five courses to to come along. So yeah, yeah, but it's part of the fun. It's part of the fun. But don't worry about it. Uh, keep the stories, questions, comments coming into Podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back, guys, later in the week to do it all over again. But for now, no matter where you might be, out there in the big wide world, have yourself a great few days. We'll see you right back here. Do it all over again on the Abroad Japan Podcast. Bye for now. Bye-bye. See you later. Have a great week. Broad in Japan is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.